something happened on March 24th, 1997. It didn't really make the news. There was a lot going on that year, a lot going on that month. There was one write-up in a local newspaper, which kind of went unnoticed. Because in this town, a lot of stuff happens. But when we were looking through our stories to pursue for this show, it kind of popped out to us. Why was no one talking about this? Uh, just to catch you up, the article headline was, Biology Teacher Killed, Replaced by Praying Mantis. Kind of crazy, right? What does that even mean? What happened? So we dug into it. It turns out that one of the teachers at Sunnydale High School, a substitute teacher, Miss French, had actually killed the biology teacher. That's right, killed the biology teacher and replaced the biology teacher. The twist, she wasn't a great teacher. Bigger twist, she was actually praying mantis. She was hunting down male students, trying to implant her eggs in them. Pretty crazy. This is the kind of thing that we thought, how could this happen? What's the effect of this? What would it be like to go to a school where you never know if your substitute teacher is a demon or a monster or a giant bug. We thought we'd dig in, and what we found was pretty crazy. And that's saying a lot for Sunnydale. Our story today happens in three acts. Act one, imagine being the administrator hiring and firing teachers. What's your criteria and how do you deal with the fact that one of your teachers turned out to be a giant praying mantis? Act two, we talked to a student who was actually there, highly affected, very emotional story. You definitely wanna get some facial tissues for that one. And act three, imagine if it was your job to show up to the cafeteria and find a beheaded teacher. What would that be like? Well, we find out. Pour yourself a martini, get some pesticide ready, because I'm Ira Gaknar, and this is This Sunnydale Life. Act one, school hard, running school harder. I decided to reach out to some of the people in charge of deciding teachers for Sunnydale. That brought me to Gretchen Wiener. She is an administrator that controls hiring and firing, specifically of substitute teachers, as well as permanent teachers. I wanted to ask her exactly what led to this. How could a teacher who's actually a praying mantis that wants to lay her eggs inside of male students, how could she be hired? What's the process for that? So, I asked her. So, Gretchen, um, I guess, you know, just to pull the cat out of the bag, uh, you've been working at the Sunnydale School District for how many years? Uh, 27 next October. Wow, it's a long time. <laughs> 12 years in this particular position, but sometimes it feels like longer. Oh, I see. Yes. Uh, so you were in charge of the hiring of Miss French, is that correct? In charge is maybe a strong word for it, but yes, I, I suppose I was uh, the person who found her and recruited her and had her sign the paperwork to become a, a teacher at Sunnydale High, yes. Did she, uh, <laughs> did she come to you guys um, looking for a position in the school or... Look, Ira, she came with a lot of really great references some of them were handwritten, but at this point, I can't be particularly choosy in the teachers that we hire for the school district. I can't tell you how much of a struggle it's been over the years to continuously replenish our pool of educators when it continues to dwindle rather like a pond in the middle of summer, slowly drying up into nothing. Now, you know, education is definitely one of my interests, and I was looking at some numbers recently. On a national level, 
uh, in the late 90s and 2000s, we started to see a deficit in teachers um, based off of the general sort of like educational pipelines. Are you guys seeing this as a budgetary problem? Like, how are you guys kind of processing exactly what's going on here? In a way, Ira, I think that Sunnydale School District is really on the cutting edge of that teacher deficit. Mm -hmm. And the reasons for it are, you know, there are multiple reasons for this deficit. Sometimes we find that many of our teachers fall into large cracks in the earth that open up suddenly, sometimes on Tuesdays, sometimes on other days. And it's just like a metaphor in terms of like a tech boom. Oh no, this is actually a crack in the physical Earth's crust that opens into a lower plane. Oh, okay. Beneath the Earth's crust. We haven't yet investigated exactly where it leads, but quite a few of our teachers have gone down that path. Well, all right. Uh... And that's one reason for the shortage just in, in my own experience, yes. That sounds uh, a difficult position for you to be in. <laughs> You're telling me. What do you look for? Uh, what, what would be for you guys, like uh, for the school district, what would be like a no? What would be like a red flag of like, absolutely not, we're not having this teacher, we're not having them work here. Okay, really quick. I actually had to pause the tape while we were doing this interview because while we were talking in a school, a group of students ran by acting like hyenas. That's right, acting just like hyenas. They attacked the principal, Principal Flutie. They ate him. Then Herbert the Razorback was attacked, but escaped, has an eye patch, apparently now is tweeting on Twitter. So he's all right. He's fine. He's alive. Gretchen assured me that this happens very regularly. And then we went back to our interview. Here's the rest of it. I would say the first criteria is that they must appear humanoid. If they are actually human, um, that's definitely a, a tick in the plus column as far as their um, their credentials are concerned. Any teaching experience is a plus. Um, uh, uh, no previous convictions for, for homicide, also but great. What if they're uh, a demon or a bug or something like that? Uh, well, we do tend to frown on that, but at this point, Ira, beggars can't be choosers. And as long as our students make it through, preferably prepared for um, whatever standardized test is being handed to them in the spring. You know, we, we like to just try and accept all comers. Now, I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. How, how, when something like this happens and there's an incident in the school, what's the fallout? What's, what's kind of the prepper? Do you have prepared counselors? Do you talk to the students? Is there sort of a backup in plan? Um, we had a counselor. Unfortunately, that counselor did fall prey to the previously mentioned crack in the Earth's crust situation. Um, and we had a lot of trouble finding another counselor to replace that one. So really, um, you know, I think our students are, are a resilient bunch. They seem to be remarkably unaffected by the, um, the high mortality rate in this school district. Uh, emotionally, psychologically, of course, we'll see whether that comes into play further down the line in their young lives. But um, usually we like to just leave them to their own devices. I think it teaches them to be resilient and resourceful young adults. I guess my last question for you, um, specifically Gretchen, is uh, what gets you up in the morning? Like, what brought you to this job? What, what makes you continue? With such, with so many difficulties popping up in terms of finding teachers and staff for schools in Sunnydale, like what 
what continues you to get to Monday? What continues you in your mind? What's the purpose of this? Well, I don't know the last time you did any research on property values on uh, in, in a in a town like this where there's there's so much uh, I will say I have a very nice house. I have a back patio that looks out over a rolling hill and uh, you know as somebody who works for a public school district I don't know if I'd be able to find that kind of situation anywhere else. So I guess just staying put and uh, you know there's never a dull moment. I guess you can say that, yeah. There's never a dull moment. You never know what will happen next, and I guess it's really that sense of excitement and spontaneity that really just keeps it dream alive for me year after year after year after year. That was act one. Coming up, act two, Fool for Sub. What if you were a student? in the classroom? What if you came face to face with Miss French? No idea that she was a mantis. Possibly she was trying to eat you. How would you feel about that? Well, I talked to one specific student, a Mr. Mercutio Chadra, and he tells us all about that day. Just so you know, it's a very harrowing interview. I had to stop several times while we were talking. Had to stop the tape, collect myself, get back into it. And I have a feeling you'll have to do the same. So feel free to take a second, catch your breath, and get ready. Okay, here we go. So when you were in class, what was the first indication that your teacher was actually a bug? Um, she's always eat, eating other bugs and stuff in class, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, you're referring to the ants on the peanut butter and the sandwich. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Was that difficult for you guys when you were there? Not really. Like, for me personally, not really. No, it didn't really affect me. What? It, now, what's really fascinating to me about Sunnydale students is that uh, you guys really, you guys seem to roll with the punches. You guys seem to be kind of okay with some weird stuff. Did this fall on the register of unusual or every day for you or? I don't know. I kind of, you know, I have my own stuff going on. So a lot of this stuff is just happening to other people and not necessarily to me, you know? So like, I have like a lot, I have like to, I have like to work two jobs after school. So Uh I'm kind of more focused on that than whatever's happening here. Now, pay me, if you could just paint me a picture of what, like, <laughs> like after, after everyone found out that Miss French was a bug, did you guys talk about it? Like, what was, like, the cafeteria life like? Like, were you guys chatting about it, or? Um, yeah, I guess a few people were talking about it, but, like, really, again, we all kind of live our own lives and have our own problems, you know? Not everyone's life revolves around high school. I've talked to a lot of people about this story, and um, one name that keeps coming up is Buffy Summers. How familiar are you with Buffy Summers? Oh, Buffy Summers. She's that weird chick that burned down the school once, yeah? Uh, I believe it was a previous school in Los Angeles. Right, yeah. And we're not there. Okay. Uh, she's sort of like a big character in your life, would you say? or In my life? Yeah. No, I've never talked to her in my life. Okay. That was Act 2. Like I said, very harrowing stuff. I've done radio for a long time now, for a few decades. And uh, I have to say, that's easily been the most difficult interview I've ever had to conduct. Can't imagine what those kids went through. Which brings us to Act 3, Once More with Peeling. Imagine if it was your job. Imagine if you woke up every morning 
and you went to go make food for students. Imagine that was your passion. And you go in and you find the old biology teacher without their head in a freezer. Just put yourself in that position. What would you do? How would you respond? What brought you to that place in life? We decided to find out. We talked to one of the chefs that works in the Sunnydale High School cafeteria. Found out their story. That's a lot. You can dice it. You can slice it. But no matter what, I guess you can't run from your past. Here it is. Actor A. It could use a little salt. My father told me. I was five years old. Food I never really gave it much thought. I just had it. I sat down. If it tasted fine, it tasted fine. If it tasted strange, I still ate it. But it wasn't until my father that one day said that something needed salt that I understood exactly what went in to making the food that I was eating. So, I became obsessed. I would sit in the kitchen. If father and mother were making something, I wanted to see how they did it. And from then on, I always wanted to be able to make it myself. Then, you know, there were days, there were days where I would make something and my family would grit their teeth and eat as much of it as could stomach it. Eat as much of it as they could stomach it, rather. But then one day, one day they didn't have to stomach it anymore. One day they just wanted it. They wanted what I had and soon I was the one that was cooking the meals because I knew not just the salt, not just the pepper either, but the paprika. The oregano, the turmeric, the thyme, the rosemary leaves on the top. I was a cook. And I cooked better than anyone on the street. And I was determined to cook better than anyone in the county. And I was determined to cook better than anyone in the world. I wanted to go to chef school. I wasn't sure which one. I didn't really have a way to research that kind of thing. But I wanted to be taught properly. But my parents, they just shook their head and they said, You don't need to pay money to be able to make somebody food. You should be getting paid to do that already. And you can learn at the diner down the street. So that's what I did. In sunny Southern California, you can find yourself delicious foods in all sorts of walkable dive diners and all such type things. So I worked. So I sweat. So I broke a million eggs until no one broke an egg better than I could break an egg. No one skewered a fish like I was able to do. Nobody. Not nobody. And as the years went on, I found that it didn't take me too long to become the head chef. It wasn't so hard. 
And suddenly I was the top cook at Sammy's Supery. You know, the one down on Quelsh Street. And at Sammy's Supery, you better believe that I made meals that were written about in the printed papers. People came from all over the town. They did, and they wrote about the soups that I was making as well as the sides. And we also made other kinds of dishes too, and it was a good life. It was a good life for multiple years until one horrible day. And there was a piece of chicken that slipped by me that was a little pinker than it was supposed to be. And the mayor and his family came to dinner and suddenly somebody got sick. Somebody wrote a bad review and the supery was no more and neither was my career as a head chef. So when I moved to Sunnydale High, it was a new beginning. A place where people wouldn't be doubting my soup recipes. They wouldn't know who I was. I could blend in. And kids, <laughs> they'll eat anything. And I kept my head low and you better believe that I really just wanted a life uninterrupted. To put my head down and stir the soup and to chop the Salisbury steak and do all the things that would make the kids just keep their day rolling on at this high school cafeteria. Things weren't necessarily as simple as I thought they would be. And you better understand that the day I walked in to find a corpse... A corpse of a human body in my cafeteria. Well, at that point, I just stopped caring altogether. That was Fox Loxon. They have a book coming out next month called cooking like a fox go check it out our episode today was put together thanks to several contributed voices gretchen wiener that was bailey kane you can find her baking talent at bailey bakes a lot on instagram b-a- I-L-E-Y, bakes a lot on Instagram. Mercutio Chandra, that was Minzui Karami. You can find him on vimeo.com slash Minzui, as well as on Twitter at Minzui. That last voice you heard was, of course, co-host Chris Bramante. You can find him at Amantioc on all the socials, the wizard Amantioc. And I'm Omar Najam. You can find me at Omar Najam on Twitter, as well as Omar Najam Film on Instagram. Our intro and outro music was thanks to Jimmy Scavoni from the Volcanics. All cues in the middle, that was me, a la Omar and the Mystics. That's me when I'm not doing my Ira voice. Sunnydale Study Group can be found at SSG Podcast. Again, it's at SSG Podcast on Twitter, as well as Sunnydale Study Group on Facebook and Instagram. Support for Sunnydale Study Group comes from the Black Frost Beer Company. Black Frost putting the pub back in public embarrassment. Remember, beer bad, Black Frost beer good. If you like the show, please tell a friend about it and leave us an honest rating on your favorite podcast app or website. 
We are part of the Zeitheist Network. Zeitheist, take a moment. Zeitheist is, of course, headed by producer Christian Humes, who is so excited that we were doing a This American Life parody. He loves the unpredictable nature of our long-running podcast. In fact, he even said, There's never a dull moment. You never know what will happen next. And I guess it's really that sense of excitement and spontaneity that really just keeps it dream alive for me year after year after year after year. I'm Ira Gacknar. We'll be back next week with a normal episode of Sunnydale Study Group. Pack up your bags, pack up your books. We'll see you then. <laughs>